Welcome to the Reverse Selling Podcast, where real estate agents, salespeople, and entrepreneurs come to learn the best tactics and strategies to grow their business. Hosted by the creator of the Reverse Selling Methodology, Brandon Morinan. All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 27. We got Brandon the Man, Reverse Selling, one of the best sales guys I've ever seen. We're getting him on the podcast today. I'm excited. Brandon, how are you? Jordan, I am amazing. Uh, and I'm excited to do some more work with you because, and thank you for the compliment, but because I think the same about you. I think your philosophies, strategy, tactics uh, around the sales profession is spot on. And I'm excited to go deep today in today's podcast. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Let's let's uh, start this off by you introducing yourself. What do you do? Who are you for everyone who doesn't know? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, so I'm the founder of ReverseSelling.com. Uh, I focus all of my work over the past 17 years has been in the real estate space. So I train and coach real, real estate agents all over the world, a lot of in Canada, uh, mostly in the US, but some in Canada as well. Uh, I have a real estate brokerage firm, got 250 salespeople on the team. We're going to do about a half a billion dollars in sales this year. So we've got our firm and then ReverseSelling.com is our coaching arm of our business, Jordan, where we coach and train real estate agents on how to sell, right? Taking the sales philosophy that I know you and I share and bringing that into the real estate agent community and teaching this community of realtors uh, what to say, how to say it, how to communicate, how to position themselves as the obvious choice so that they can go out there and build a very successful real estate sales business. I love it. And you're absolutely killing it, crushing it on the YouTube game and everywhere. So I got a question, Brandon. So the book, your book, Reverse Selling, number one, love the name. I can't tell you how much I love that name, Reverse Selling. It's perfect. Um, let me ask you, what, what's the reason, because you have a successful business and everywhere, you're a sales coach and you do awesome. Why did you write the book? Yeah, I think, you know, um, there's so much bad advice out there, like when it comes to being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, being a salesperson, that I wanted to cut through all the BS, cut through all the marketing noise. And I wanted to give people a platform where they could get the truth about what it takes, Jordan, to succeed in selling without them feeling the pressure of being sold to by some type of marketer. So the book, when, when people read it, and it's funny, my editor said the same thing. She's like, wow, the voice you took in the book was very matter of fact, it was very direct. And that's how I wanted it to be because I think people are really beating around the bush on what it takes to succeed and what it takes to become a great salesperson. And I wrote the book so that somebody out there that wants to succeed, whether they're in a real estate or not, they could get the truth about what it, what it uh, takes not only to succeed, but specific tactics and strategies to use in their business to get better results. Because I think the old way of selling and all the sales advice from the past, not only I think is it outdated, but I think it's no longer effective because the consumers are becoming more, uh, uh, they're becoming a lot more educated. And in more times than not, they have more skills 
than salespeople. Like they have better sales strategies than the quote unquote salesperson. And so I wrote the book for all of those reasons. I love it. Excellent. So I uh, let's, what I want to do is I'd love to jump in some, uh, jump into some fundamentals and some really actionable advice that you'd have for just traditional and everyday salespeople. Number one, I think everyone's in sales, business yeah. owners, et cetera. Um, but I got one question for you before, because people will be asking, is this book, can, who can get the most amount of value from this book? Is it only real estate agents or is it everyone and everyone in sales and just everywhere? Yeah, I, you know, and I thought a lot about that before I wrote the book. I mean, the the community that I serve is real estate agents. So it's it's written under the framework of 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 real estate agent selling. However, anybody that sells any product or service, all you have to do is replace the word real estate agent in the book and input what you do, and you will get great value from it. All right, Brandon, so I got a question for you. Now, most salespeople in any industry, they usually have speci- they, they usually can benefit from specific sets of advice that is so particular. And I know you cover it in the book. So why don't we start off there? Tell me what's the best advice you have yeah. for the salesperson. Yeah. So great question. You know, I think most salespeople are looking for like the tactic, the strategy, the special script you know, the secret sauce and how am I going to close more? And I think the thing they forget, Jordan, that I believe is the most important, and it's how I start off the book, is right here between, between our ears, our mindset. Because I think most salespeople, whether in uh, the perception of salespeople, really, really trips people up. You know, I think traditionally, if you were to interview, let's just say a million people, and say, hey, what is your perception of a salesperson? Most of it would be like a negative, right? Most of it would be like, ah, high pressure, used car salesman, they don't care, they just want to make the sale. So what happens is, you know, all of us in our upbringing, we probably had that same type of understanding from our parents. And so now we have this huge, what I call the moral dilemma in the book about being a salesperson, right? And fighting two, two sides, fighting this side of how we grew up of like, oh, selling is bad. But now I find myself in sales and how I make a living. And those two things are a huge conflict. So step one, from a mindset perspective, is understanding uh, a framework of what it means to be a salesperson. To me, a, a great salesperson, Jordan, is somebody who serves others, that they use their product or their service to help other people accomplish the goals that they've set. Now, sometimes that means um, selling them something, and sometimes it, 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 it doesn't. And I think that to be in sales, to change the perspective that society has, has of salespeople, We have to first understand selling is a process, Jordan, of understanding, not convincing. And this is the huge conflict between old school selling tactics and what I think you and I teach, uh, certainly what reverse selling stands for. And so I want to kind of talk through what that means. But so far, that makes sense, right? Absolutely. I love it. So, so we take the old school approach of like, 
convincing, you know, pressuring people to buy, you know, smashing them with objections, not letting them out the door without signing a contract. This is why society over the past hundred years, they don't trust salespeople. They just don't like them. They don't trust them. They don't want to be in sales. It's been a bad thing. Colleges don't teach sales because it's like the devil. It's evil, 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 right? Yeah. Well, well, the new way of selling, what I call reverse selling, is no longer a process of convincing anybody of anything. It's a process of understanding. So if that's going to occur, I train and coach people on how to ask questions and listen twice as much as we do talking. So here's what I know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So we have to ask questions. The prospect has to feel that we care before a sale can be made. And so before you get into any tactic, strategy, script, sales frameworks, before any of that comes, I think a salesperson has to understand and accept what it means to be a salesperson. And to me, that means that you have to serve your clients first. And only when that occurs, can you really reach your potential? And you can call it the law of reciprocity, whatever you want to call it. But that is my belief. That's the foundation of reverse selling. I love it. That is perfect in a perfect alignment to number one, what very few people actually believe. I love the philosophy there because traditional selling and even today's day, as you said it, people have had such negative experiences with salespeople that when someone you know, out there on the street, your family, your friends think of a salesperson or even you, not you yourself, but as, a, as a, another person, they think sales is manipulative. It's scammy. I never want to be in sales. And sometimes even when, if the, the random person on the street says, I'm in sales, you get this, oh, what do you do? You take money from people. Yeah. Um, and I love it because it aligns again with what I really, what I feel in two ways. One, I think sales is, there's two types of sales, manipulative and persuasive. And I think it, the perfect definition manipulative is when you're trying to sell someone something that is not in their best interest versus the reverse selling way. And the right selling way is when you're trying to sell someone something that is in their best interest. You nailed it. And that's the huge difference. So I love that. And I love how you cover that. And that's excellent. So, you know, now, you know, as we've, let's kind of get into some more tactical advice. Um, we take that mindset and we say, okay, I got it, Brandon. I agree with you, but how, but how? So step one is detaching 100% from the outcome. This is massive, massive. If a salesperson is going to take this philosophy, Jordan, into the real world and because I, here's what I believe. I believe that most people do care about other people. I believe that most people in a sales position are not there to rip people off. They're not there to, to, uh, to do the wrong thing. They are there. They genuinely want to help. They just don't know how because they're still taking traditional sales training, um, which is messing them up in the head. So first thing they got to do if they want to change that or alter that is detach from the outcome 100%. What does that mean? That means that they have to go into a selling situation, Jordan, with exactly what you said to say, okay, what is the real need? What is the real 
pain. And we even have t-shirts that our team wears all the time that says no pain, no sale. What that means is if you find that there is no pain, there's no real need, there is no pitching. There is no sale to be had. So detaching from the outcome means my first goal, Jordan, is to determine what is the real need. Does that make yeah, sense? hundred percent. You know, that reminds me of actually a video I saw of yours and it's related to that and asking questions because questions is the always the best way to go. And let me see if I remember it right, but it's something along the lines of you just go into a prospecting call, you'd ask them a question and you said something along the lines of you'd ask a question to qualify them and a simple question. It's a perfect question. And if they give you an unreasonable answer, you said this, you said you cannot reason with unreasonable people. And I love that because it makes selling so much easier in terms of when you have the right questions. And because people are so negatively uh, have a negative perception of salespeople that sometimes they let that get in the way. And I think that ties in well. And I really like that you do that. Yeah. So thank you for that. And let's give the audience the, 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 the tactic and the strategy. Okay. Yeah, the how, how do you do it? The how. So what we need to do to, so we talked about mindset. We talked about detaching from the outcome. Now let's get into the how. The how is allowing the prospect to do all the selling. And so here's how you do it. So anytime you get into some type of discovery or selling situation, Let's give the audience a really good picture so they can have good per, per, uh, perspective. Traditional selling sounds something like, and, and it doesn't matter what you sell, but traditional selling is you get into a selling situation and you start to convince, you start to tell the prospect about your product, about your service and how good it is and all the features and all the benefits and all the stuff this is what we call selling, right? And this is why in the book, I talk about telling is not selling. Because anytime a salesperson starts to pitch and starts to tell and starts to talk and starts to convince, what does the prospect do every time? They start to cover their ears and say, oh gosh, the defense, the walls start to come up. And this is why people just cannot stand salespeople. So what do we need to do instead? We have to make the prospect the salesperson. And all we do is ask Socratic style questions. An example of that would be, Jordan, you know, what had you scheduled the call today? Let him tell you. You know, Jordan, you know, why, why switch providers? I mean, the company you're with is, is a great company. Oh my gosh, for the first time ever, the prospect says, well, let me tell you, they didn't do this right. They don't do this. They didn't do this. This is what we needed. And you're sitting back here for the first time as a salesperson saying, holy shit, I don't need to sell. Listen to this person. I asked them one question and here the, here the prospect is, Jordan, throwing up on me, selling so hard and now this one tactic, Jordan, puts a salesperson in a completely different position than salespeople ever have in the past. I love that. That is, that is perfect. So I have a follow-up question for you, Brandon, yeah. because I think this is really common too. And I get people asking me this a lot. So the question style that you just covered, the Socratic style questions, I highly suggest that as well. And I think it's, it works so wonderfully. However, I think there's a lot of people out there that have had bad buying experiences and they have so much trauma when it comes to dealing with any salesperson 
that they come in with a lot of negative energy and, and how that manifests itself is when you ask them a Socratic style question, they kind of give either a really dry answer or they give you a lot of pushback, no matter the question, what would you say and how, and in terms of what's the best way to kind of overcome that as much as you can? I love it. So again, let's, let's take this concept of, um, detaching from the outcome to its extreme, because you're exactly right. If a new salesperson doesn't understand how to deliver a Socratic style question, it will come off condescending and it can backfire because everyone's so obsessed with, all right, Brandon, give me the questions. Give me the words, the words, the words, right? I just posted this on my Instagram yesterday. The words only make up for like seven to 10% of communication. It's all in the delivery, right? So what we have to do, I love doing this. Tell a prospect to stay put. They've never had a salesperson tell them not to buy in the sales call, at the sales meeting, ever in their life, ever. So imagine a world, a salesperson that's listening to this tells the prospect, well, well, Bob, Sue, and my fake prospects are always Bob and Sue. That's our little <laughs> joke with my coaching clients. We say, Bob, you know, why not? I mean, it sounds like right now, it probably makes more sense for you to stay exactly where you're at. Am I right? Now, for the first time in the history of selling, a prospect has never been told not to purchase in front of a salesperson. This is called a pattern interrupt, as you know. And the prospect now, one of two things is going to occur. When you tell the prospect not to buy your thing, okay, first off, they, they've never heard that before. So one of two things is going to occur. Either A, they're going to say, yeah, I think you're right. And then you automatically call them out and you were off the call. We're out of the meeting. Fine. Beautiful. Or, or they start to defend or justify their decision on why they do need to make a change. This is how we uncover motivation from a prospect, Jordan, who's being standoffish. We make them defend their position on making a change in their life. And us detaching, we don't care if we make the sale. It's like, Bob, why, why even look into getting new insurance? Why, even, why are you even looking to buy a new car? You have a car. Why would you need a new cell phone? Why would you need any, whatever your product or service is, tell the prospect to not do anything and ask them. And so that's what I would do. Any type of prospect that's standoffish, take the sale completely away. Take it off the table. Let them know, I don't care if you buy or you don't buy because a prospect's not used to that. They're so used to being sold. Absolutely incredible strategy. Incredible. So yeah. what would you say then? It's easy to say, you know, Brandon or, or to any prospect or to any salesperson out there, you know what, just detach from the sale. Don't care about it. And the outcome, just completely separate from it. Now, this is the best advice. I agree with it. If you can truly detach from the sale, you're miles ahead, miles ahead of everyone. You're going to see huge success um, from that alone. However, do you have any practical tips on how someone can actually detach when we're so driven by commission, making money and closing sales? Yeah. So now, I, again, I talk a lot about in the book, you know, human behavior. And here's what we know about human behavior. The thing is, what you're asking me is like, Brian, how do you get a salesperson to understand what you're saying conceptually? Because to them, 
it sounds very dangerous. It sounds like you're telling these salespeople to push away the sale. Check this out. Here's what comes together. We know that when we tell human beings not to do something, what do they want to do? They want to do it. They want to do it. They want it. So, they want it. It's just human psychology. So here's the thing. You tell a kid not to touch the hot stove. They touch the hot stove every time. Okay. So we have to take this human principle on how humans behave. And I know a newer salesperson, this makes them very nervous, Jordan, to push the sale away because they're like, dude, that's counterintuitive. Like, what if I lose the opportunity? When they do it one time, when they tell the prospect not to buy, the prospect is going to want to buy more. It's going to bring them closer. Now, I know that's a huge risk for a salesperson listening to this to take, but take my advice or take, take my mistakes rather. You've got two choices. You can try to convince, and just like yourself, you don't want to be sold. You love to buy. Prospects hate to be sold. You, that's one choice. Okay, this is what most salespeople want to do. Or you can push the sale away, which will absolutely bring the prospect closer to you. Because the more you pitch, the more you push them away. It's like a magnet. So when you, when you pitch, it's like putting two magnets on the opposite side of each other that push you away. If you want that prospect to come in closer, push them away and they'll come in closer. That's the tactical piece that I think a, a, a salesperson needs to consider. These are just words. Until they try it, they're going to be like, holy shit, this is like magic, but it's scary in the beginning. It really does make a huge difference. And, and to your point, the opposite is true as well. Whereas you say, if you push them away, they'll end up coming back. Yeah. If you try to pull them in, try to convince them too hard, what do they end up do, doing? They end up pushing away. away. It's the exactly. same thing in relationships and dating. Everyone will love this. Watch. Like the, 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 there's, there's two people, right? The one that's coming on harder the other one feels like they have more leverage and so they go further away. So then you stop, you know, applying more pressure and then that person comes closer to you. It's like the person who cares less, the other person falls more in love with. It's, it's so, so crazy. It's insane, but it's so true. So it's the same thing in selling. The one that's further detached from the outcome, whether buying buying something or selling something is the one that's really controlling the situation. And it's like, we have to make the prospects carry the weight of the world of their pain on their own. It's like, they're the needy one. They're the one that needs the product, needs the service, needs the change. You're going you're gonna to go home and drive your Ferrari and have a steak dinner, regardless if they buy anything. This is the mindset you must have. And when a prospect knows, I don't give a shit if you buy this or not, not in a, in a, in a demeaning way, but in a place of sincerity, in a place of caring, like, Dude, I always say this is one of my favorite scripts, okay? Here's your scripts. Everybody loves scripts, you know? I always say, Jordan, why don't we do this? Let's not agree to anything right now, okay? Why don't we simply get together? We'll have a conversation. We'll get to know each other. I'll explain exactly how our thing works. And then you can decide if right now is the right time or not. Does that seem reasonable? And people like that because they're like, whether you do this thing or you don't do this thing, that's irrelevant. Why don't we simply get together and have a conversation and then I give them the illusion of control like Chris Voss talks about in Never Split the Difference. And I say, Jordan, at the end of that meeting, you can decide if working together with me makes any sense or not. Fair enough. And they love it. Okay. So, so there's a tactical script for the audience. 
Excellent. Psychological react is when you tell you someone they have to do it, they don't want to do it. Um, they need that sense of authority and that the, how you describe it and the illusion of control is, look, this is entirely up to you. And if it makes sense, we'll do something about it. If it doesn't, we won't. That's right. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't be incentivized by that? So that's perfect. Now I have a, a, a question that kind of backtracks and goes back to the beginning of the sale, but it came to the top of my mind and it's, it's really important because I get this a lot from, uh, from my audience. They ask me this question. And that question is, how do you, cause we all agree. I mean, you and I, especially no pain, no sale, yep. right? You need to find out what their real struggle is. Their pain point is because people at the end of the day, they pay for problems to be solved. Yep. to get to outcomes that they want to be at ultimately. So how do you deal with a prospect who is very closed off about revealing to you what their real problem is? They give you very vague and not descriptive information about their pain points. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of the same thing that we've kind of been talking through. The, the reason they're being vague is because they are scared to be sold. So they're not revealing a lot of information because they feel the more they reveal, the more ammunition you, the salesperson, can use against them. Mm -hmm. So, so we have to do kind of Jordan what we're talking about. It's, it's instead of like, or, or, or let me give, let me just give the audience really tactical, specific examples. Instead of asking somebody, um, or, or give me an example of a question that that maybe one of your audience would ask, and I'll and I'll frame it in a different way to get people to open up more and be less guarded. I love it. Okay. So here's one. Cause I have a lot, my audience is in the fitness space. A lot of mm -hmm. them are, and they work mm -hmm. at gyms or personal mm -hmm. trainers. And as a personal trainer in that space, your typical clientele either wants to lose weight or build muscle. One yep. of those two things, but a lot of times in order to find out what the real struggle is, um, they have had a negative experience with being sold before, especially in that space, especially at gyms. So when a typical personal trainer will ask a, a client, a potential client, a prospect, what their main goal is, or yeah. you know, wh what do they want to accomplish from working out at the gym? They're, they say something very vague, like, oh, I just Got want it. to get in better shape. All right. So we have to reverse that. Okay. okay. How do we do it? So instead of saying, what is your goal? The, the question is not what is your goal because that's too risky. The prospect has to go off on a limb here. We have to go reverse. We have to say, why would you, why do you want, or, or you could phrase it a couple of ways, but you just say, why not just stay where you're at? Okay. I like it. So, so instead of saying, what is the, what is your desired outcome? People, people are more motivated by, by avoiding pain, by avoiding failure than they are by wins, right? That's another uh, psychological thing. We're more motivated by loss than we are by wins, okay? So this is why you can have a salesperson that's a W-2 employee making $200,000 a year and an independent contractor, right? This is a great analogy for, for, for the audience. The, two, the person that works at a company is too scared to lose the job making 200K where the independent contractor has an unlimited ceiling, they're failing 90% of the time because the upside is not as motivating as losing what they already have. So in the framework that you just talked in the fitness space, instead of saying, what do you want? Just have them sell against what they don't want, right? So why not just stay where you're at? That is a much more provocative question 
that that uh, gets people more emotionally invested in ex- giving you the information that you want. So we're going to reverse the question and talk about essentially them selling against their pain instead of uh, uh, selling their f- desired outcome. That's how I would reverse that 100%. Awesome. It's in the name itself, reverse selling. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like if I'm coaching a, a, a personal trainer or someone who owns a gym, which uh, by the way, ironically enough, uh, Alex Harmozy, who you could argue is probably the biggest person in the gym space. I, just I got love his, that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just got his new book. It's really good. Um, like we want to get people to say, well, I just went to the doctor and I have heart disease, you know, or, or like um, you, you want them to open up the real pain because to your point, the vague answers, it's hard to convert somebody in vagueness. Mm-hmm. So we got to get out of like pie in the sky and we've got to go. So that's why I'm saying no pain, no sale. The question you asked me is how do we uncover pain? How do we uncover motivation? Instead of asking a question about what is your goal, I like to reverse the framework and talk about, okay, well, why not just stay put? They now have to sell you, right? It just changes changes the trajectory of information and how it's being shared. Perfect Does that make strategy. sense? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's actually crazy because I've had thousands of conversations with so many different people, even just in the fitness space. And everyone resorts to what's your goal? What do you want to do? It's the wrong um, question. It's the wrong question entirely. Like you said, no pain, no sale. Now, I don't think this would be a true sales podcast if we don't cover objections. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. All right, perfect. So, and I, um, in the book, I give a, a complete framework um, on what that looks like, you know, and I want to talk through that framework. And I think you and I share a lot of the same uh, strategy here, but the first step in responding to any type of resistance is being agreeable. Here's the key thing in sales. If you want to be heard from the prospect, they have to know that they've been heard. So being agreeable means that you show empathy from their perspective, right? So it's the only way you can get another human being to be open to any type of conversation. So if you're going to have any success in responding to objections, first and foremost, we have to seek to understand. So if Jordan tells me or gives me some type of an objection, immediately without hesitation, we have to show empathy and be agreeable. So this might be like, Jordan, I totally get it. Like in all the years I've been doing this, I 100% understand why and which you wouldn't want to do X, Y, and Z. And quite frankly, if I was in your shoes, I would feel the exact same way. This is a sincere, empathetic, agreeable acknowledgement. That's step one, right? And I know that's kind of what you train as well. So that's, that, that, that's key. Without doing that, here's what most salespeople do. Prospect objects. Salesperson just says why what they said isn't right. This is why I'm wrong. This is why you're wrong. This is why I'm right. Argument, call or meeting over. They never talk again. 
Yep, that's the that's yeah. the common that's the that's the common strategy that people use. It's just an argument, like ah, oh, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, because we're not speaking through the prospect's point of view. We're speaking through our own. We need to speak from the the prospect's point of view. You want to add Emp- something to that? No, I was just gonna say, man, empathy. Like it's 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 almost empathy. like common sense, but common sense isn't so common. Any yeah. objection, the first thing you do, and I it is agree absolutely. I hear you completely. Yeah, people love that. Like when when someone agrees with me, oh man, I, I love it. I'm instantly, and I'm sure you're you're the same. When someone agrees with me, I'm like, oh my god, I want to tell you everything. Like I, I I no 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 defense systems go off in me. I have no defensive walls. They drop completely. I'm like, all right, I like this guy. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we're siding with with the prospect, and then and then the next step in there is, um, you know, addressing their question or concern? Because sometimes an objection is no more than just an unanswered questions in the mind of the prospect. Mm -hmm. So we're going to respond in a way that lowers or removes the threat that the prospect is having in order to move forward. This is where we can introduce our value proposition into the conversation, right? So we're responding with things that remove or lower their resistance. And then, so that'd be step number two, right? And in whatever you sell, whatever your product or service might be, you can inject that into your response. And then we're going to pivot into some type of gaining agreement around whatever it was that we said being fair or reasonable, right? So if you gave me some type of objection, I would say, listen, Jordan, I get it. Again, if I was you, I would probably feel the same way, which is why we do X, Y, and Z. And so if by working with me, you got this result, would that be a problem? And we get the prospect to say no. So we get them to say yes by getting them to tell us no, right? And so that would be a framework for responding to objections. I like it. No base selling, right? It's easier, no. for, easier for people to say no. It's safer for people to say no. Much, 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 much. That's awesome. I like that. Um, and where can we end this off? Because we talked about the sales process, objections. What did we miss here that a few last points to hit home that I would say can really get value from? I would say that follow-up is a huge, huge thing that salespeople suck at, quite frankly. They just suck at it. Why? Um, I, and and do you say why? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, we're, well, here's the thing. I think that I always make this argument. Like, if you're going to be in sales, if you don't have a follow up system, like you shouldn't even start. I mean, it's that important. Uh, I I am under the belief that most of your conversion lives in follow up. That's where that saying, "The fortune is in the follow up," versus on the first conversation or first contact. The same way. The same way, Jordan, relationships work. It's extremely rare to find two human beings that had one date where one person got on their knee, proposed at the first date, and the person said yes. Like if that were to happen, those per- those people probably would never talk again. There'd be a restraining order. Like this person's insane. They just proposed to me on the first date. It's insane. <laughs> well, so this is the same thing in sales. So, so why do they suck at follow-up? Because they have no system for follow-up. That's why there's no strategy. There's no planning around it. They're so caught up in instant gratification. They spend all their time in lead generation, lead generation, which is fine. It's important. They get that, that at bat, if you will. 
And then when they don't get the sale, like things just fall through the cracks. So number one, you've got to have a system of communication. What does that mean? That means like, okay, if I don't get this sale on this 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 uh, conversation and I do all of the tactics and strategies that, that, that I know how to use and I don't get it, what is the system? Well, I'm going to call this prospect because it's a hot prospect. I'm going to call them every Monday. That'd be a system, right? You don't just figure out, okay, well, Maybe I'll call them and I'll forget about them. No, you're going to put them into some type of follow-up CRM or, or some type of system that you call all of your hot leads every Monday at 11 o'clock, right? That'd be an example. Um, you're going to you're going to text them every Friday, right? Jordan, I know we're going into the weekend. Uh, if you need anything over the weekend, I'll be available. Just shoot me a text if you have any questions about what we talked about this week, right? That would be an example. Uh, but here's the, the reality is all the studies show that it takes multiple communication touches and points to get the highest level of conversion. Oh, there's study after study after study. You know, some say seven, some say eight, some say 12. Harvard, I think, said 16 touches over time for your maximum conversion. And these are follow-ups, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people think on that note. How, how likely is it? Because people think that, you know, if I have the best scripts and I'm the best salesperson, I can just close everyone. I'll close yeah. 10 out of 10 people. Is that realistic? No, it's highly unrealistic. And it's because of our addiction to instant gratification, quite frankly, because of social media. It's, it's, social media has completely screwed us all up. And so we all want instant gratification. So we want to close 10 out of 10, but the reality, it's probably two out of 10 on first contact. If you can have a 20% on first contact, like that's a great conversion. I like that world, right? And then you get another 50, 60% conversion through follow-up. I'm happy, I'm a happy camper. That's awesome. So why do you think that people not only hate follow-up, but they just so actively avoid doing it entirely? It, it yeah, it, I'll tell like, you. I mean, I, again, I think one, it's it's they want everything and they want it now. So when they don't get the sale now, they feel defeated, they get emotional, they start to resent the prospect for not moving forward. They probably broke the bridge, right? It's like, I got into an argument. I tried to apply old school tactics so much that the prospect hates my guts. So I can't even follow up. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I didn't set any expectation with the prospect. So therefore, Jordan, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do when I follow up. I don't want to be the check-in guy. Hey, it's Bob. It's Brandon. I'm just checking in. That's no hilarious. value at all with follow-up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to be the check-in guy uh, or girl. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. That's be number two. And then three, I have no system for it. I've got sticky notes everywhere. I've got notes in this book and that book. And they fall through the cracks. Like I don't have any system. So, so number one, I broke the bridge. Number two, I don't know what to do. And then number three, I don't have any organization around that. That's, that is, yeah, I, I'd say it's spot on, especially with number two. I think most people struggle with just not knowing how to follow up. Yeah. I'm just checking in. I'm just following up. That feels horrible to say. Horrible. Let me give a tactic right there. So for yeah. following up, the prospect should always be the one to outline next steps. So if you don't get the sale, you simply ask the prospect, what would you like to do from here? When should we talk again? What would you like me to do next? Get the prospect to tell you, you know what? Call me on Friday. Let's set up another Zoom on Thursday. You know what? Whatever they say, that will be the next step. 
when we leave it open ended, and the, now the prospect or the, the salesperson has, they're like, shit, when do I follow up? What do I say? What do I do? Get the prospect to tell you what to do. That's the whole premise of reverse selling is you got to get the prospect to do all the telling, all the talking, all the selling, all the convincing, get them to do everything. And then in their eyes, you become so much more valuable. Amazing. That's how it's done. Absolutely. So Brandon, let's wrap it up here. Where can everyone find about, where can everyone, you know, get to know you, find uh, your book? Where can they buy it? Yeah, the book is on Amazon. So you can get the hardcover on Amazon. The, the audio version I'm working on will come out here soon. Um, or they can, the, the best spot probably uh, is my YouTube channel. So just search my name, Brandon Mulrennan. Uh, you can look at all my content. I give a ton of stuff away on there for free. Give all my you know, sales tactics, strategies on my YouTube channel. You can find me on Instagram or go to our website, reverseselling.com. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. We'll do more in the future. I love it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. For more tips and advice on how you can grow your business, be sure to follow Brandon on YouTube and Instagram at Brandon Mulrennan.